I'd like to challenge you this morning to spend time in God's Word. I'm going to take a break from what I've been speaking about lately and talk about reading your Bible. So that's my message title this morning, Read Your Bible. Psalm 19, starting at verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out throughout, through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the of the heaven, and a circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies show his handiwork. You know, we can look around here on earth and become advanced in what we do. Like we can have, you know, all kinds of technology and all this stuff that we can do. But man is in awe when he looks at the sky and looks at the stars. How did that all come to be? And it speaks, the glory and wonders of heaven speaks every language, the awe of it. And he says, consider the sun, how it rises every morning. You know, it brings light and vigor and warmth. And you imagine a beautiful sunrise on a spring morning and how it just fills you with energy and joy and makes you want to get in the fields or plant the garden or mow or whatever. When the sun comes up, the world comes alive. Who knows of these things? Who designed them? The heavens speak. But it's not just the heavens that speak. We'll keep reading in verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, Enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And I wonder what, so this is a Psalm of David, and I wonder what happened in David's life that he wrote this. And obviously he was inspired. But I'm guessing there was things going on in his life that made him think of this. Maybe he was seeing the godlessness of Saul. And if he was running from Saul, I'm sure he had plenty of time to stare up at the stars at night. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Do you value scripture like David does here? Do you read it? You can say you value it. My question is, do you read it? I would like to to talk about several things this morning, Um, and then I want to challenge you to read your Bible. And I talked about, uh, already about, that I want to do, I want to read through the Bible in a year, and I'd like to get a group together to do that. But having good habits of scripture reading is hard. It takes time, time that we don't have. The older I get, the faster life goes, and the more responsibilities I get. We're busy, and we're doing good things. But what are our priorities? You know, we make our own schedule. 
we take time to eat three times a day, right? Or at least I do, sometimes more than that. Do I take time to read, to read God's Word? If you're like me, you have time, you're maybe just not spending it very well. And it takes mental energy, and it does. Sometimes the last thing you want to do is read Scripture and put any type of effort into trying to think of what it means or to translate it. What, what does this mean for me? <clears throat> and, you know, I'm just going to mention this, but if there is one thing that hinders me from having the mental energy to read my Bible... It's this right here. <laughs> I think our phones are, are an illusion. I don't know that we have what we think we have. You know, we think that, <clears throat> I, I'm convinced, I don't know. I'll just leave it at that. If, if you want to have more mental energy to take care of your children, to be invested in your wife, to... Invest in your job more, um, to be involved in church more, then put down your phone. Social media is it, it zaps our our energy. And then in, in also in scripture reading, sometimes it can be hard to know where to start. <clears throat> so I want to encourage you in reading scripture, start at the beginning. Scripture is designed to read from cover to cover. So, just like you would any other book, um, if you like to read, you pick up a new book by your favorite author, how many of you start reading in chapter 5? And then you skip to chapter 8, and then you go back to chapter 1, and then maybe you read the last chapter, and you don't read the rest. (laughs) Do you think you'd get anything out of your favorite book? Probably not. So don't read scripture that way. Start at the beginning. Um... And scripture is divided, you know, obviously into different books. You have, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Like, those are individual books. So, you know, if, if you're reading, start at the beginning of that book and, and read through it. Obviously, you don't have to read through it all at once, but that can be helpful, too. And ignore the chapter and verse markings. Those are <clears throat> to help you find... A spot in scripture quick so I can tell you easily how to get to where I'm going to read. But they don't divide thoughts. They don't divide even sentences. Um, so pay attention to punctuation. Some verses are complete sentences, but some aren't. So like Psalm 19 that I just read, every verse is a complete sentence except for four and five. <clears throat> and it changes how you read that. If you go to um, Romans chapter 1, and you don't have to turn to that, and I'm not going to read it. But Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, is one sentence. Paul is really good at his long, rambling sentences. But pay attention to those, <clears throat> that it's all one thought. So my Bible has the paragraph markings, which is really helpful too. So that kind of divides things out. And sometime, I've seen them, I don't own one, but sometimes I'd like to get a Bible that has that's written like a book that doesn't have the chapter and verse markings just for my devotions that I can read through it. I think it would read 
more like a regular book. Turn to Luke chapter 1. Talking about starting at the beginning. Pay attention to introductions. So a lot of a lot of the books of the Bible are written much like we would write a thesis paper or a report um, or a book. The opening paragraph has, serves a purpose. So the opening paragraph, you're going to see probably two things. You're going to see a hook and a purpose. So the hook is what grabs your attention, and the purpose is what the writer is attending to, or intending to um, co- communicate to you. So let's read this. And then I want you to tell me what the hook and the purpose is. Luke chapter 1, verse 1. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So, how many sentences here? Yeah. What is the hook? What, what, what here is to grab your attention? Or why should we listen to what Luke is saying here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's saying that he, he's had, <clears throat> here's what I got, and maybe you got something different, but eyewitnesses, but Luke says he had a perfect understanding of all things from the very first. Well, that seems like somebody we want to pay attention to, right, and see what he has to say about it. And what is his purpose? Exactly. Yep. So you keep that in mind as you read Luke. That's what, uh, that's Luke's goal. That's, that's the purpose behind the book of Luke. <clears throat> now, um, turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, starting at verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to perceive the instruction of wisdom, justice and judgment and equity, to give subtility to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels, to understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. How many sentences there? Two. What's the hook? Mm-hmm. I was thinking of another one, but that's good. <clears throat> I would have put the to know wisdom and instruction um, and all those things. He has kind of a list there. I would have put that more under the purpose, but that's a good hook, too. The hook to me that I thought that grabbed my attention is the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. Whoa, we maybe should listen to this guy. <clears throat> son of David, king of Israel. 
I'll listen to the king, see what he has to say. So we see the hook and the purpose. What else do you see? And you can go back to Luke chapter 1. Um, we're looking for other things as we read. We need to observe different things. And that's what we call context. Most of you are familiar with that. So we need to read the whole thing to get the whole story. And I'm going to give you an example here. I'm going to pick a a verse here in Luke chapter 1, and we're going to try to interpret what it means. But I'm only going to read one one word, he. That's all we know, okay? Well, all we know is that it's a masculine pronoun, right? So... That's it, okay? So the next, next word, he executed. So this, this male being executed someone or something. He executed the priests. He killed the priests. This is, must be a bad guy. <clears throat> or wait a minute, the priests. He executed the priests. That's apostrophe S, so that means that it's the He didn't kill the priest, but he killed the priest's something. Okay, he executed the priest's office. Okay, so if we do a word study on executed, that probably means like that he fulfilled or he did the work of the priest's office. It doesn't mean that he killed something. It means that he fulfilled what the priest was supposed to do. So he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course. So in other words, it was his turn, and he did it. Um... It was his turn to do it, so he, that's why he was there. And if you read more of this section here, or you go up to verse 5, and it, so I'm reading verse 8. You go up to verse 5, and it talks about that it was Zacharias. <clears throat> so that kind of a silly illustration, but that's why we need context, because Scripture can mean anything we want it to mean, unless we know in what context it was said. <clears throat> Use who, what, when, where, how, and why, and read the whole thing. So let's go back up to Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4 that we read. Luke's opening statement. Who is the who there? I'm going to, for lack of time here, I'm just going to blaze through this. The who there is me, which would be Luke. Um, The disciples are referenced there, and Theophilus. The what is the story of Jesus, the declaration of those things. When is the reference of time or whatever is the eyewitnesses and being the um, arranged in order <clears throat> from the very first. Where, uh, the where is picked up in, actually in verse 5. He talks about, he kind of lays out, you know, when or, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Um, And the how is that it was a letter that he was writing. That's how he was going to fulfill what he wanted to do. And the why is verse 4. What do you observe when you read a passage of Scripture? Um, What are you missing? Understanding the whole story is critical. In our Sunday school lesson this morning, the woman at the well, that story is full of things to observe. And I thought Ron did a good idea, or a good, did a good job um, with his ideas and stuff this morning. So much culture to look into. Um, and he talked about the geography, how far it was. He talked about the well and how deep it was. 
so much that you can that you can learn and all those things factor into the story I like to use my imagination when I'm reading scripture and obviously your imagination is not inspired but it it gives you a clue of what things are like and scripture gives you a clue too I'm going to read this this is Luke 1 11 through 13 And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Is that how you would read that? How about this? And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. That's, that gives you a clue into what it was like for Zacharias. And Zacharias was not different than us. He was terrified, I believe. Like, imagine how that would have been. And this angel appeared to him, and then he said, you know, he was terrified. The angel said, calm down, and he, you know, told him all this stuff. And then what did Zacharias do? In verse 18, he said, And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? Or, can you give me a sign? (laughs) What? Uh, So interesting. I like things that help me picture what it would be like. Um, We went and visited the ark this... uh, this spring, I was in February or something like that. It's the first time I'd been there. And it's incredible. Like, I don't know if the ark is how accurate it is or whatever, but it's like that kind of helps you get an idea of what the size would have been like, like to stand in there. It's like, that is unbelievable, a huge boat. And when we got there, we were in the visitor center, and when it was time to head over to the ark, it started to rain. And that's a weird feeling. Like, <laughs> it's raining and you're running to the ark. <clears throat> But imagine what it would have been like. Put yourself in the shoes of the people that are in Scripture. Did you know... So another thing that I like is sight and sound. And I know a lot of their stuff, you know, whatever. But it, it helps you understand how it could be. And I really like their Samson show that they do. And the first time I saw that, <clears throat> I was... You know, they embellished the story quite a bit. And they... They showed the part, whatever, where Samson went down and you know had his marriage feast and got married and everything, and then they had the whole riddle thing. And Samson got upset, went and killed thirty Philistines, and then he left. <clears throat> and it's and then in their show they were like, well, he's gone or whatever. He doesn't want his wife, and so his his best friend growing up married her. And I was like, that didn't happen. Like they're just trying to embellish the story. <laughs> And I went back and read it, and it's true. It's there. His wife was given to his friend. I can't imagine what that would have been like for Samson. <clears throat> Study the culture of the people in the story. So when it mentions Baal worship, do you know what that is? When it mentions the groves and how they would worship there, do you know what the Temple of Dagon was? Do you know what the Egyptian gods were that God brought judgment on? What about geography? Where all did Paul go on his missionary journeys? It can be helpful to to see it on a map. How far did Samson carry the city gates? 
Steve. <laughs> Do you remember what that was? Yeah, I remember we talked about it. <clears throat> How many miles did David and his men chase the Amalekites? Remember they got to that brook and some of them just couldn't go on. They were so exhausted. Wouldn't it help you picture scripture better if you could walk the same roads that Jesus walked? Like if you could go there, go to Israel and see what it was like. To see the Jordan River where Elijah and Elisha crossed over before Elijah was taken up to heaven. Word studies are important. What we have is a translation. And I don't know, sometimes it's hard to understand some of the words. So do word studies. Um, There are a lot of words... In, in both the Old and the New Testament, so Hebrew and Greek, that are translated wine, that the, the King James Version translated wine. Anything from hard liquor to freshly squeezed grape juice to a bunch of raisins, all translated wine. So maybe we should look up and see what it actually was before we come to conclusions. Um, the word love is the same way. There's different words that were translated love, all the same word for us in in English. And I like to use a Strong's Concordance for that. And I actually have an app on my phone, um, a Bible program that I use too, that's super fast. All you have to do is click on that word and it pops up the meaning. That can be really, really helpful. And it can seem like a lot of work. This is why it takes mental energy to study scripture. And you know, I'm just a simple guy. Maybe it's, and it's some people would think that, well, it's just the pastor's job to, to read and interpret, and then I'll just do what he says. It's too, too much work for me. And I, I don't believe that. I believe that Scripture was written for the common man, for the normal, average person. <clears throat> and an example of that is that Paul told Timothy that from a child, Timothy knew Scripture. And so Timothy was just an ordinary boy growing up, and he knew Scripture. For the average person. And also, in, in the challenge of, of understanding Scripture, observing and coming to conclusions, we have a helper, the Holy Spirit. And it says he will teach us all things. So I believe that he helps us understand what we read. We are to take the sword, or the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So how can you separate the Spirit and the Word of God? So the Spirit helps us. And I believe, too, that Scripture is supposed to be easy to understand, the main, the main parts of it. And obviously translations make it harder, but ultimately it's designed to be read and understood. The main points are hard to miss. The fall of man, why we need a Redeemer, um, and then when the Redeemer came and how we trust in Him for our salvation. And the main points, the basic parts, I think we can easily, a child can understand those. But the rest of it we wrestle with, and it's, it's a good thing. I think we're supposed to, um, to wrestle with it. Understanding the Proverbs doesn't come in a day. We don't appreciate all the Psalms right away. We don't have great uh, inspiration from the book of Job or Ecclesiastes right away. And on top of that, there's prophecy and poetry. And we're intended to be seekers and to seek these things out, to know the truth. 
But I would encourage you to have patience with your study. If you get stuck on something, leave it. Read something else for a while and come back to it. Um, But work on it. Interpretation is not coming up of with random things. Whatever pops into your mind when you read scripture, it's interpretation is is there. There's a purpose. We have there's a purpose behind why the writers wrote these things, and we need to find that. In some things, it's simple and clear. Like if you read um, where we stopped reading in Proverbs, I think it'd be verse eight, maybe. if you take all of Proverbs away and keep that one verse, I think it would work. But it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that's pretty clear. But there's some, there's some parts that we have to really dig to find the purpose and meaning. Um, <clears throat> and obviously we, we take it as the truth. Um, it's not my opinion of what you know, we try not to, we don't try to formulate an opinion of what the scripture is saying. We try to understand what the scripture is saying, if, if that makes sense. Scripture is the truth. And interpretation is the conclusion that we come to from our observation. <clears throat> I would say most of the time in the New Testament, um, the conclusion is stated. So a lot of things, you know, if you read Paul's writings, he's very clear on what he intends for you to take from it and what he intends for you to do about it. But there's other times, um, other books of the Bible, that are not written so clearly, um, like the book of Ruth. Like, you can read the book of Ruth, and it seems like there's no conclusion. Like, it just tells the story. But I don't know, Jerry talked about the story of Ruth recently and dug into it, and wow, there's a lot of meaning there. But you have to understand you know, the geography and the, the context of it. You have to understand the culture. There's a lot that goes into that story, and all of a sudden it makes a lot of sense. And it's an, it's an awesome picture. And there's other stories, too, that are like that. <clears throat> Sometimes the conclusion is that we need to do something. Other times that we need to believe something or trust something. So... Moving on then from interpretation to personal application. Few books, or I would say no books, um, motivate you to live or to change like the Word of God does. It touches everything from how, from our personality. You know, if you have the excuse that, well, that's just the way I am. That's, you know, I'm just normally a quiet person, so I just, you know, didn't really say anything to that person. Well, the Bible might call you a rude person. <laughs> but <clears throat> our personalities are not, not untouchable. The, the scripture speaks to our personalities, to our possessions, to what we own, to how we respond to, our, to grief. It touches everything. The word of God is a mirror to our lives. It shows us who we are as God sees us. And the big question is, what will you do with what you read? James 1, verses 21 through 24. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be you doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, 
He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. If you apply scripture, you're going to separate yourself from a lot of people. You're going to be different from a lot of people. There's a lot of, there's a lot of people who read the Bible, <clears throat> and there's a lot of preachers who preach God's word. And there's a lot of people who um, agree with the Bible and think the Bible's good and think the Bible's the, the, the word of God and all this stuff, but there's few that practice what the Bible says. There's few that actually make it practical, make it personal. <clears throat> um, I read this book, I don't know, about 10 years ago, something like that, um, and it's really good. It, it's, uh, it's pretty long, but it talks about studying God's word and how we interpret and, um, yeah, it talks about different writing styles and, I don't know, there's a lot there. But it's written by William and Howard Hendricks, and one of them says in there that, I, that I've never forgotten, but he says to take everything you read in Scripture literally. So if you're reading something and it's saying something, take it in a literal way. And only if it doesn't make sense in the literal way should you explore the idea that maybe it's figuratively or meant figuratively in a figurative way. So start at the beginning, observe, interpret, and apply. And the Word of God will change you. In Ephesians 5, it talks about... um, that God cleanses us, much like scrubbing us with water or whatever, with the Word, like the Word does that to us. So, are you struggling with sin? Get in the Word. Are you struggling with loneliness or, you know, whatever? Get in the Word. Are you seeking wisdom? Get in the Word. And I want to read Luke chapter 8. Verses 19 through 21. So Jesus was teaching here, and there was a big crowd around him. Then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press. So there's too many people around him, and they couldn't come in and talk to him. And it was told him by certain, which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. So somebody must have made their way through the crowd and got to Jesus and said, Hey, your family is out there, and they want to talk to you for a little bit. And Jesus answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. So that, if you want to be a part of God's family, hear the word of God and do it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, just thank you for each one that's here this morning. Um, I just want to pray for each one, Lord, that we would put ourselves into the study of your word. And thank you for your word, Lord, everything that it does for us, teaching us wisdom, teaching us how to live, explaining the, the fall of man and how we ended up this way, and explaining how, why we need your son. And I, yeah, just thank you so much, Lord, for your word that explains so much. And I pray, Lord, that we would trust it, that we would read it. In your name we pray, amen.